Hello everyone, Adrian here, and thank you for tuning in to Between the Bedside and the Boardroom, a conversation without titles, hierarchies, office or unit politics or drama, a podcast where we have tough, candid, and transparent discussions about what is really going on in healthcare, how are we going to heal from the last few years, disrupt the status quo, and use our collective knowledge, expertise, and the sheer volume in our numbers to create the urgent change we need in healthcare in America. For this conversation, I have a unique intro. I was sharing with my husband, Kyle, and my daughter, Ariana, how excited I was to talk with Abriana. Abriana is an accomplished college athlete, a student, a daughter, a sister, a friend, and after hearing this conversation, I imagine you'll agree she's an overall amazing human. I got connected with Abriana via her mom, Jody, who I worked with in Texas, and you may recognize from episode two. I wanted to talk with Abriana about her experience during COVID. Well, before I talked with her, my daughter wanted to share what her experience was, and I thought, well, sure. So I recorded a brief conversation. Well, Ariana had no idea just how well she was going to set up this conversation with Abriana. And although my daughter delivers me some hard truths, she shares what her experience and what her what she has learned as a valuable lesson over the last few years. I later recorded my conversation with Abriana, which you'll hear right after the brief conversation with Ariana. I learned so much from Abriana and her experiences and so, so much wisdom and insight from her. She encourages us to have grace and patience with ourselves and has some really invaluable advice for everyone in healthcare and not in healthcare. I really hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're recording. I have a very special guest with me. Hello, Ariana. Hi, Mom. <laughs> yes, so that sort of gives it away about how I know Ariana. <laughs> we were in Texas. There was a time that you and Dad and Brother went to go... Live with my grandma because you were scared that you were going to give us COVID. It was really hard for us being away from my... Me being away from my mom. It was pretty... Um, hard for me because I was because I had never been away from her and I spent a Halloween away from her I spent every holiday with you like I count like before that I couldn't count a holiday that I wasn't with you then that Halloween you were all the way in Texas and I was in New and I was in New Mexico. Like, did you did you understand why me and Daddy made the decision? You remember that you went to stay with um, Grandma and Papa because you um, were saying you didn't want us to get sick. Mm-hmm. We just didn't know a lot about it at that time. We uh-uh. didn't know. We didn't know how contagious it was. We didn't know how badly it could hurt people. And since you've seen, um, all you had seen is people dying, right? Yeah, yeah. So you were like, I don't, I'm going to give my kids this. We and humans tend to, um, you know, um, based on what we've seen, uh, on what we see, that's what we tend to understand about it. So, you know, Ari, <laughs> that's really wise for you as, you know, as humans, I was <sighs> reacting on emotion when, when dad and I decided that you guys were going to go, uh, 
um, stay. I was, I was responding to, um, what I could see as opposed to using kind of the science part of my brain, which said it was perfectly fine for you guys to be in the house with us. And we were taking all the necessary precautions. So that's, that's a really wise statement that you just said there. You're such a smart girl. <laughs> when you grow up, Ariana. Um, really no um that's okay that's a big question for a nine-year-old so you got a lot of time to decide mom's still trying to decide what she wants to be when she grows up i want to go to college so there's a lot so i just basically have any job opportunity on the table okay. optimistic so that's what i like to think about it like like uh, i'm thinking of getting a degree in nursing but not really being a nurse because i just want to i'm gonna work until I get kids of my own, I'm gonna I'm gonna work still, but I'm gonna work from. But I'm gonna get a job to work from home to basically be like a stay-at-home mom for my kids. Yeah, why is yes. that important to you, baby? Because family is everything. Yeah. Uh, why is a mom staying home important to you? Because. You're not going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's not about now. Like, now you're a really, like, you're a very great mom. You're not, like, you're a very, you're, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't put you as the best mom, but I also wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> but I also wouldn't put you at the worst mom. That's great. <laughs> great. I'm a, the world's okayest mom. <laughs> No, the reason why I wouldn't put you at the best mom is because, and uh, Pat is because, um, I have to, because it's, like, based on past and present, right? Like, my, like, what, like, in El Paso, um, I never saw you, mm. like, you weren't, like, like, you weren't there ever, like, like, in El Paso, like, when I was in kindergarten, the days that you got to pick me up were probably the best days of my mm. life. Um, were probably, yeah, like, probably, like, really good days for me. Um, even if I had, like, a bad day in school, if I saw you pick, coming and picking me up, I would be, I'd instantly, like, burst with happiness. Aww. Like, seeing you, like, yeah, seeing your face really, really w helps me. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. Thank you, honey. So, you so as you could probably tell, I edited out quite a bit of my very silly, very fun, and very candid conversation with my daughter, Ariana. And although we were giggling about her uh, very hard truth of not labeling me the world's best mom, um, I was really grateful and I really took to her a lot of the lessons that were in those words that she was sharing with me. And although she may not have said it in these words, um, it was really great to hear her, the impact that it had on her, not only being physically away from me during that time, but also really emotionally and mentally uh, being, uh, there being some distance um, during that time. And so it was, I had no idea what Ariana was going to say. And I'm so, so grateful that my conversation to follow that you're going to hear now with Abriana was on the same day because it is so, so inspirational. And although 
as you can imagine, after hearing my sweet little girl talk, um, and we've had other conversations, there's a lot of guilt and a lot of shoulda, woulda, couldas. But listening to Abriana today just gives me so much hope and inspiration, and I hope it does the same for you. Thanks. Hi, Brianna. Hi, how are you? I'm so good. How are you? Thanks for being here. Of course. Yeah, pretty good. Enjoying the little bit of sunshine we get in Chicago. So. Oh, that's right. You're in Chicago. I haven't seen sun in a while here in Portland. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We usually don't get a lot of it over here either. But, but today's uh, we actually had a couple days in a row where it's been sunny. So I've been soaking it up. My uh, bedroom has like 12 windows in it. So they're all the blinds are open and kind of feels like a sunroom right now. So Oh, that feels fabulous. And you're taking time out of the sun to talk to me. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Well, I think you're my first official um, podcast conversation interview, if you will, that um, I, I feel like I know you, but I actually, I, I, I haven't met you. I don't know you well. We've never worked <laughs> together. So I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So why don't, do you mind if we just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself as much or as little as you want and how you're tied to this world of healthcare that, yeah, that I'm for in. Yeah, <laughs> sure. for sure. Um, so right now I'm currently a student at Northwestern. I'm finishing up my um, first master's degree in sports admin. Um, I did my four-year undergrad in human development and psych services. Um, and then I'm going to do a two-year um, uh, master's in business administration um, next year down in South Alabama. Um, I've played the reason I got, have gotten to do all these different um, degrees without like being totally um, in debt student loans is I play vault. <laughs> um, and so I played for five years at Northwestern. Then I'm going to play for two more down in um, South Alabama. Um, yeah, I've gone through, I guess like my first, my first connection with the healthcare world was obviously with my mom. She um, started nursing school when I was 12, I think. Um, so quite a while ago, I think like 10 years ago. Um, and she obviously just like being around her and um, hearing all the, the stories, um, first kind of um, exposure into the um, medical world. Um, and then I guess my second kind of personal, um, exposure was I, in my volleyball career at Northwestern, I, um, had double hip surgery, uh, had a labor repair, um, and a micro fracture done in my hips, um, which was my sophomore year in college, which was obviously a huge, um, integration for everybody in our society the medical um, field um, and then my senior year of college I blew up my knee and tore like my ACL MCL PCL meniscus all that good mm -hmm. stuff um, so I've been kind of in and out of uh, the hospital just for like injuries nothing uh, crazy life-threatening like obviously uh, COVID was but have had my fair share of hospital visits whether that just for 
my 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 lower body checkups or um just visiting mom on lunch break and stuff like that so yeah i have a have a i have a feel like i have a pretty good um grasp on uh the health field from um from a a daughter of a nurse but also from i guess uh an athlete uh perspective too so yeah you're working on your second master's degree that's incredible congratulations and i thank you yeah and i know um from talking to your mom and knowing your mom she's remarkably proud of you and your if all of your the things that you do so again thank you so much for taking time and I imagine that some of your um you know some of what you're studying also is going to play into kind of the discussion and what we're talking about so tell do you mind talking a little bit about just the experience of the pandemic like how things might have impacted your life and you know your personal life from school and sports and and all of the things and then you know of course organically we'll get into kind of the impact with um your mom being a nurse but I'm just curious at first how how it might have how it not might have how it impacted your life yeah uh COVID was definitely a I think it was obviously pretty impactful for everybody across the globe obviously a global pandemic um but for me, I guess as a student athlete and like my personal impact, it was it was pretty difficult just because I think, like I said, I had um, that double hip surgery um, my sophomore mm-hmm. year. And that was kind of like that was my first time really being away from volleyball. Um, so that was that was that in itself was really hard. Um, and just like the recovery of getting back um, to the sport after that. And then pretty much as soon as I got back and was healthy for um, to play volleyball and everything, COVID hit. Um, Mm -hmm. so it was definitely like kind of got shot down again, which was, which was tough, I think. But, um, I think the hardest part was just the uncertainty of COVID and like, no one really knew like how long this was going to last and how, um, long our lives were going to be, um, different and restricted. Um, and so for us, it was like when first COVID first hit, it was, um, around winter time. So we had just gotten done with um, that season, our season in the fall. Um, and so we kind of were pretty hopeful in the beginning of it, just because it was like, like we, the COVID like obviously first hit like in winter, but no one was kind of, everybody was kind of like, oh, like whatever, like coronavirus, like giggling about it, which was obviously nothing to giggle about. Um, mm-hmm. And then we finally got shut down like in the spring um, so we still had like a decent amount of time before our season was get to set to um, be scheduled. So I remember um, at that a specific time, our women's basketball team actually was um, had just won the Big Ten championship and was about ready to go into March Madness. And that all got canceled because oh, wow. of COVID. So I remember just not personally like feeling like obviously as devastated as they were, but just um, feeling pretty like empathetic and feeling a little bit of their pain and just working your uh, butt off like winning a big 10 winning any championship is hard but to win in the uh, big 10 one of the best conferences um in the country for women's basketball um it was definitely something that we all uh, athletic community felt so that was that was tough but for us at being a fall sport we kind of had this hope still of um we were going to be able to play in the fall and everything was going to be all good um 
and obviously that didn't happen because it continued to progress and um it was a lot a lot of lives lost um during that and so we ended up being able to fortunately push the season back into that following spring uh which was which was nice um to just like obviously be able to have the opportunity to compete um but it was obviously a little bit different and like at that time there was a lot of um it, it, there was there's a lot of difference in the protocols between the states even like with our within our own conference so um some of the games that we would travel to would be able to have fans um in Illinois we were strictly no fans allowed um like parents no one no one could be there it's just the um the the team and the coaches and every like necessary personnel and then we would have like it's kind of funny we used to have like a like the crowd cheering noises like in the background just to make it a little less awkward cut out <sighs> that we got of like our families like to put in the um the stands so they were kind of like there and in, in spirit a little bit um so we kind of it was it was kind of interesting just going from like playing in our home arena um, with absolutely nobody there to playing in Maryland who got to have uh, friends and family there, but had to be under a certain amount of spectators. Um, So it was kind of like, it was, it was definitely like an interesting season with, with that aspect, but also like because of traveling, we would have to um, usually in volleyball, we kind of, you know, you play, you go on the road, play a team next day. You'll probably, there's usually like a traveling partner. So like we'll, we'd probably go on the road and play, uh, Indiana, for example, and then we'd play like the next day we'd play Purdue. Um, and so like, and when Illinois would come with us and they'd do opposite of whatever. Um, so like that was usually prior to COVID what the, um, deal was. And then with COVID, because they didn't want us traveling as much, obviously we got to, um, we were play, we would play back-to-back games. So you would play like Purdue, you play Purdue on Sunday and then you'd play them the next um which was hard I it, it was de- it was definitely difficult I think just because it's it's a lot harder to to play the same team back to back it um it's really hard to beat a team twice so that was mm-hmm. I think hard just as far as like record wise and um being able to kind of experience new teams frequently um it was a bit different um and so, yeah, it was a, that that was that was in itself a kind of difficult um, hiccup to the whole season. Um, and then also, like for Northwestern specifically, we had actually that whole season was, to be honest, like uh, is it was a mess. It was um, we had shut down twice because of because of COVID within our team, and then we got shut down again at the end because a little um hazing scandal thing which was super unideal everything got resolved and like nothing was really like permanently damaged to the team but um yeah we ended up only playing like I think we played eight games that season so it really wasn't a season um so that was kind of I don't know it was was definitely difficult just as a a student like an athlete it's an athlete to be able to, to have to go home because obviously we all got sent home in the spring and just continue to do at-home workouts and we're having to get on Zooms um, and doing like sprints on the Zoom with my teammates. We had like little different pods that we um, getting touches like 
setting the volleyball off of my roof um, with on a Zoom call. There's a lot of different creative things we had to do at home just kind of to stay um, in volleyball shape as much as um, so that was that was definitely interesting. And I think like for me beyond an athlete and just a, a regular person, it was really difficult because I um, prior to the pandemic, I was definitely a an outgoing, very extroverted type of person. Um, likes to always be around people, always um, go to big events, uh, seeing a lot of different things. And obviously with the pandemic, that was not an option. Um, and so kind of feeling that isolation, I think that a lot of other people around the globe can relate is just like kind of losing that ability to interact with people and how to people really, and especially in person. Um, it kind of almost, I think it almost changed, I think my personality a little bit, um, like how, how, how mm-hmm. I, how, who I was during the pandemic and trying to uh, post pandemic, get back to that extroverted person um, has been a little bit difficult. I think for me, just cause like I said, we went like what a year, year and a half without really having a lot of face-to-face personal um, connections and conversations with people. So trying to relearn that again was um, interesting to just like my character and who I am. Um, so yeah, I think that I, it, it was definitely like a, uh, a difficult time for me personally but um I don't know there was also a lot of looking back on it like there was a lot of I don't want to say good things because none of it was none of it was good like it was it was a really bad time where a lot of like tons of people were dying like it was a very tragic time in history obviously but um just like as far as me there's definitely like uh, some positives I could pull out of that just being able to like my little sister she's eight six at the time and just having to go home and spending bunches of time with her um and just and my little brother was um a positive for me just because I I, again I'm like I'm in college and normally I would be um four hours away and coming home maybe once every two to three months um so being able to get that time to spend with them you know to do um bonding things was uh really cool and then obviously just being able to be with my parents and we are we um have a lot of animals in the house too so just like that I'm a little bit of a homebody so being able to spend that time with them was um nice and I appreciated that but I would say overall definitely um a character changing um experience for me personally so I'm so, so grateful because being um, a nurse during this time, it was, there were times where I would get so, honestly, I I don't even have the right word for it. Like resentment feels like too big of a word, but it almost felt like nothing else mattered. Like why, you know, I would see things on the news or my husband, who's a big sports fan would talk about, you know, the impact to sports or the impact to the students. And I was so, you know, if I'm being super honest with you, I was so like super laser focused on what was going on in the hospitals that I, I was like, none of that matters. But like hearing you talk right now, um, and now in retrospect, my son was in middle school at the time and hearing him talk about the impact to him and school and like how it changed it. it, That's such a, like a huge development age, but like, yeah. So hearing the impact, how it impacted 
your entire life so much. Like it's really humbling for me, I guess is what I'm trying to say that, you know, yes, I was focused on, on what was going in the hospital, but everybody's life was changing so quickly and so, so rapidly. Right. So I, it's just good perspective that I'm really grateful to hear from you. Um, For your hip surgery, that was before everything kind of shut down. So you were able to have, okay, okay. So that you didn't have a surgery during COVID because I know that was awful with like visitors not being able to come and yeah, no, I can't, I can't imagine doing, doing that in the middle of COVID would have been horrible, just especially with the, I don't know, having like doing the, the physical therapy in COVID just not, not, not ideal. And just like, even mm-hmm. like with the, after COVID, like when I had the, my ACL repair and everything, like we were still um, like, obviously like there's still masks in all of the medical facilities so that included like our training room so it was a lot of it's a very various a small and minuscule thing in the grand scheme of things but just like a a, a weird and new perspective of just like being able to have to work out and like doing these pretty strenuous exercises um with a mask on in this um small training room um was definitely something that was interesting that I didn't have to do uh, with my hips um so it was, it was like obviously like yeah like not life or death nothing that detrimental but um definitely interesting like like I said like having the hip surgery and rehabbing that with as an as normal um and then rehabbing my ACL even after um the like stay at home mandate was lifted um having to still like wear that mask and um you know I had a decent amount of <laughs> acne that developed under that just from having to keep that thing on <laughs> um so yeah definitely different in a um an experience for sure so well and I think just you know because you've said a couple times like nothing life or death and um but I've been reading articles lately about how you know everybody's experience and everybody's whether they label it as trauma or not, it, that was, it, it was relevant to them. And so we shouldn't try to like out trauma each other. That's not what I'm trying to yeah. say. But like, you know, my experience wasn't any worse than yours. Um, and I think we're seeing that a little bit. Um, some of the animosity with like, between healthcare workers and non healthcare workers, and even like, you know, police and people who are not and you know it's just we're all experiencing things differently and so just that's why I'm really was really fascinated to hear your story and how it's impacted you for sure um well and so your mom Jody who everybody who's listening to this probably um knows your mom via podcast world now because they likely listen to um you know one of my very first episodes um that we got to hear for it's been um several weeks now, but she talked about that she was away from home for 364 days. I think that's what my notes tell me here. Um, I'm just curious about your experience with all of that. Yeah. So I, I guess it's a little bit, I don't necessarily like remember exactly the timeline of everything, but I do remember not, I remember for the most part when she was in tech, um, I was in Chicago for most of that. 
Um, so it's kind of like, I think that the people in my family that were impacted the most, um, with her being gone that long was definitely like my little sister, my little brother and, um, my dad, just because, you know, they're used to having her in the house, um, for that period of time. And I kind of was, um, in my apartment in Chicago with, uh, my friends kind of quarantining there for the majority of it. Um, Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like a, I didn't get firsthand a lot of that, uh, separation and like missing of her like in my area um but I do remember it being very traumatic for her and like I don't know me and my mom I like she was a single mom when I was growing up we um it was just me and her for like the first uh, five or six years of my life it was just kind of yeah me and her thugging life out uh, I mean we've always been really close like she's kind of more of like a she's she's one of my best friends and I kind of tell her everything. I think she tells me a lot of stuff too. And so I remember um, the hardest part for me um, with her being gone was just, I remember getting frequent calls of her just sobbing and just having to listen to just the defeat in her voice of just like sister I've had die on me today and there's literally nothing I can do and just explaining and just how difficult it is to not only have those patients die and be being completely out of her control and her having done every single thing in her power to prevent that but also just um having to kind of play the nurse and also the family uh role for a lot of her patients just said visitors were not allowed at that time and so like to have she's she's also very we're we're a lot alike and she has a lot of empathy which is why she I think she makes a great nurse is she's connects really deeply with her patients and um so to have to put on both being the nurse but also being the loved one I think she kind of took that role pretty seriously and to have that many people die on her um was very very traumatic to her and like to like I know she didn't even she didn't even share the tip of the iceberg with me the all the the trauma and stuff that she went through but just the little stuff that she did call me and um have those conversations with me and just hearing like the like I said, like the defeat in her voice um, was very, it was, it was very hard to hear. I mean, like in any, I, I, I don't like, I'm not a, like, obviously I think nobody likes to hear someone else cry, but I think that like when that comes from your, comes from your mom, um, it's, it's different. And especially mother daughter relationship that we have, it kind of like, I don't know, as much as it broke her, it broke me a lot. And just like to know that there's nothing that she can do to prevent these people from dying, but there's also nothing that I can do to help her have an easier time with these people dying on her was like something that was just like defeat. Like I am in Chicago, I'm sitting in my room, I'm locked in my house. I can't go out of my house. I can't, can barely go outside. Like, I have, like, a lot of, like, not only am I a normal person that has to abide by the uh, rules and regulations of the pandemic, but I'm also a part of Northwestern Volleyball and, like, as a student athlete, 
they basically own you. So it's like I, even if I wanted to break the rules, like I can't because like I'm I'm on their their time. Like they basically control me. So I like, am literally stuck locked in locked in this house like under surveillance pretty much all the time um, to make sure that I'm not moving anywhere. Um, and then just to get those calls from my mom and being like, there's nothing I can do but just sit here and listen and be a ear for her. Um, it was just just tough. It's just my mom's always been like a very strong individual, and she I, a lot of the time she doesn't really let me see that um, that side of her. I think because I think she knows how much it it affects me, um, and so to be kind of like the person that she's turned she would turn to in that was was difficult just because again there's there's nothing I can do but just to sit there and support her um and just like to see her in that in that state was something that I've never experienced before um because she's like I said she's always kind of she's been a very strong individual always been able to figure stuff out for herself and um very independent and so like to be to see all that and to see like oh like this is like this is if this is breaking my mom like this is breaking a lot of other people that aren't as strong as her and like I said just not being able to do anything was just tough it was it was it was a tough experience but like but like I said I think that um like I didn't I didn't have as much impact with her not being gone like it would have been I think the same phone calls and the same deal for me if she would have been, you know, working at Nova or a hospital near Novi where she was able to come home. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that for my family at home, it was a lot harder. I can only, I haven't really talked to my dad about this, but I can only imagine that she had probably similar conversations with my dad and just him not having the ability to have her home and, being used to having her home and being used to being being there with her um had to have been really tough and then just like I don't know my like I said my little sister really young and like that's like a really big like big time for like to have your mom there and to not have your mom for a whole year like I can't imagine the kind of stuff that she was going through and probably still is going through like her and my mom are attached at the hip and I think that they would be regardless, but I think that a lot of that is, um, can be, can be pointed back to just her not being there for so long and her being kind of, um, not just not having my mom, just not having my mom in a very crucial time, um, in her life. And I think that it almost kind of, um, worked a little bit in the opposite with her and my brother. I think that, um, my brother was at a time, like he was in his teens. So, you know, how, you know how teenagers get, they're kind of, sassy and a pain in the butt a little bit and (laughs) with her not being there it was a little bit of a um resentment I think and just like I don't know I think he's he's also a very like reserved person like I think he's probably said like a thousand words in his entire life um so like he doesn't really speak that much and like doesn't (laughs) have his his, uh personality as me and my mom um so I think that that relationship um has definitely been something that she's um taken a little bit hard to just like I like I said like I'm a very me and my mom are two peas in a pod pretty much the same way I think in same same people um and we're both very 
relationship based and um, family means a lot to us. So to have that relationship being a little bit rocky and a little bit like having to actually put in a lot of work, but not too much work um, to kind of get him to have that relationship has been tough for her. And then like, again, like just having to deal with not even deal with it just like being being person that's there for her it's just like it's it was it's just hard it's like a lot of I think like in the moment and like being in COVID we were all kind of concerned about okay like we can't go out we can't do everything we used to do as human beings like this sucks all this other stuff but like I think that the more impactful and the more detrimental part of COVID was the after effects and just the relationships that they either that it either built up or broke um, was very was very hard and it kind of continues to still be hard just because like like I said like there's not you can't get those years back that year back you can't get that that time back and so having to um, try to make up for that without doing doing too much but not doing too little is definitely a um, a tough thing to try to find that happy medium. Um, so yeah, I think that it was, it, it was hard not having, it was hard not having her there, I think for, for all of us as a family, but um, especially for uh, the three of them that were in the house and used to having her um, around all the time. So. Thank you for sharing that. One of the things that I'm relating to that you're saying my son and your brother are pretty close in age I mean, your brother might be a little bit older um but yeah I was physically there like I didn't travel um so I was there my kids talk about that time as if I wasn't there as well so it's just really interesting yeah. I'm not trying to compare you know your mom being I think like thousand miles away to to my like emotionally dis being distant from my family, but it's just interesting. The, 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 like you said, the impact and I'm just, you know, hearing you talk, I'm, I'm relating a little bit to that, that, that time. Um, and you said something pretty profound, you know, that like this was breaking my mom. Um, have you guys talked about that at all? Cause my, we haven't, so we haven't, we haven't really talked about it um, necessarily. And I think that it's not necessarily, I don't know if it's, um, for me, I don't feel like I am in the place to push her on that because mm -hmm. I think that, um, I think that whether she wants to admit it or not, it was a trauma for her and being, having to see those many people die firsthand is no matter what you like, what, no matter what you do, it's, it's trauma and it's, um, going to affect you one way or the other. And so that's not something that I necessarily am going to be like, Hey mom, like tell me all your, all your horror sure. stories and let, let's talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. and she hasn't really necessarily opened up to me about that, but I think I, I remember when you guys first had this, um, your podcast and it told me to, um, listen to it. I was like, mom, like, why haven't, like, you haven't, like, told me any of these, like, stories, like, why haven't you told me these stories, and she was like, uh, like, honestly, like, it's, it's not something that you need to hear, it's not something that I think is going to traumatize you, I've already, I've already been in, like, I've already, I'm already having nightmares, I'm already that, be still being traumatized by that, and it, 
I don't want to do that to you. So I think that we haven't really discussed that solely because I think that she's kind of like looking out to protect me a little bit. Um, and I don't know if I, I don't, I'd think that I would be able to handle a lot of that stuff just because, um, I don't know. I think that, I think that it's, it would be difficult to hear, but I think that I'm kind of able to do anything for the, for the right reasons and anything, if it's going to like help my mom kind of digest, I'm like kind of willing to do, not kind of willing to do anything for it, for it and for her. Um, but I think that there's a mix of like, I think that she wants to protect me from that trauma, but also I think at the end of the day, a, a decent amount of it just comes from once you talk about that and you're you're voicing the 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 things that happened it's similar to reliving it and um i don't necessarily know if that's something that she's ready to do yet because like at the end of the day it's still 2020 was only three years ago like it was it's still a very recent thing and like we're still experiencing the effects of covid to this day um so i think that it's it's something that she probably subconsciously doesn't really want to um, open up about the details of it. Like obviously she went on the podcast and was able to kind of give everybody here like a um, sneak peek and kind of debrief her experience. But I think that like when talking to me, um, she would probably have to go, I think into a little bit more of the nitty gritty details. And I think that that's something that I don't even know if she's talked to anybody about that. And if she has, it's probably been um, someone like you that has experienced similar things. Um, I don't think she's talked to like anybody in the family about it. And if she would have, I'm assuming it would probably be, be me. Like I'm, I think I'm the first person she would probably go to about that. Um, so I think I, I don't know. I think that I think that eventually it'll probably come. I think that once she's kind of um, ready and um, want to she'll she might come have those conversations with me but um it yeah that it hasn't it hasn't happened yet and like I said I don't really want to I'm not in a position I feel like to push her into um kind of opening up about the details on that just because it's a traumatic event and like for for anybody um involved in something that traumatic it's usually not a great idea force details out of them um so just kind of uh here more as like a uh and I think I think I can I can be better in that and just um reassuring her that like yeah I'm her daughter and yeah I'm like hadn't experienced that and like it's different but like I, I am like here as an as an open open ear and I've I have gone through a decent amount of trauma myself and can um can take a lot of that and so I think that that's probably something that would be like my next step in the future just kind of like dropping those little seeds of like hey like you know always here if you need to um debrief about something talk about the dream you had last night or just the thoughts that you're having throughout the day um but yeah I think that that like the way it has it it hasn't happened yet I think just because it's so it's still pretty fresh and it's still um weighing on her a lot I think a little bit and um I don't know I've just kind of like taken the approach of when she's ready she'll talk and um when she's ready I'll be here as an ear so mm. well and I 
how amazing that you guys have this relationship. And I am certainly not an expert in this. And, you know, I wonder how much of it, you know, you should be the one to unpack with her. Like, I don't know, right? I don't know what the right answer is, if that is something we should expect from our families. Um, I've had a similar experience. And if you're talking to someone outside of healthcare, you'd, I, I'm a big advocate for therapy. It's one of the one of the really hard things too is not wanting to, and your mom said that a lot in her podcast episode was not wanting to put a burden on someone else. And so I think I, I challenge her a little bit on that one. Um, I think we've got a, you know, maybe the right answer isn't to put it on our kiddos. I don't know, but maybe I think a lot about what the, what the individual healthcare systems should be doing. And there's sort of this like theoretical debate about whether it's, it's a per- the person's responsibility to, you know, decide whether they're going to confront what they've been through or not, or whether that's the organization's uh, responsibility. And there's sort of people on kind of both sides of that fence. But I think without my, my personal take is I do think it's the organization's responsibility. Um, and I think we're just not doing, doing enough. Um, and we've just, we've got some really, strong, amazing, you know, to use the words that you described your mom, um, people that have, have been through, through so much and who are now trying to care for and pick up the pieces for their families, right? Like I'm sure your mom, I know your mom felt a lot of knowing that you guys were feeling isolated and you, the impact to your life. And so trying to figure out how to take care of yourselves and, um, help your family heal through all of this. So, I don't, I honestly don't know. I've always um, been a huge advocate of therapy too. I think that everybody needs somebody to talk to, whether they feel like they do or not. I think there's always, um, not only for therapy, just like to, to help individuals get over or work through traumatic events, but also just to kind of build as a human being and learn how to become a better human being. I think that therapy is, um, a great resource for anybody and everybody. Uh, um, I that I guess that's why she's a nurse. Is she's always been very um, me last, um, and I think that that's something that uh, I don't know. I'm trying to kind of work through with her. Just like, hey, like I know you got three kids, but like, or I guess there's a bunch of us now, but they're all older. <laughs> um, uh, like I, you got you have kids. You have a husband. You have the puppies and everything else but like at the end of the day like those people are going to suffer if you're not taking care of yourself and um a little bit of a struggle that um I've kind of had with her is just like you're no help to anybody if you're not good for yourself um and so trying to trying to I don't know necessarily like you said like if the therapy is the like uh, any average Joe therapist is the is the way to go because I think that a lot of them like are are just not like you're not trained to hear about a a global pandemic like that's not something that you go through in therapy is to hear about mass death like that um and so I think that's definitely like hard for therapists to handle which is why I understand kind of her reluctance uh, uh reluctancy against it but I feel like I don't know for me it's like 
I'd, I'd hope that I can eventually prove to her and maybe it's not me. Maybe I think that like, she's as like, as her kid, like, it's like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't ever put my kids or something like that. But um, just like who I am as a person and how I feel like in tune I am to mental health and um, dealing with different emotions. And um, I hope that I can eventually get to a place with her where she feels that she can handle I can handle the stuff that she's going through and uh, be an open ear for her but also to kind of have some solutions and some uh, I don't know some something to kind of help her relieve a little bit of that um, pain that she's experiencing so it's definitely going to be working progress and to be honest I don't know if she's ever going to get there she's been like this for <laughs> 40 Oh gosh, I don't want to out her age, but uh, a, a decent <laughs> amount of, of years now. So um, I don't know, definitely hard to change um, old habits. So I don't know, we're, we'll definitely work work to it and see what see what um, we can do as a as a mother daughter team. But also knowing mm-hmm. that there's not a lot of I'm not always going to be able to get all the nitty gritty stuff out of her because she's as strong-headed and strong-willed as I am. So it's kind of like two bulls working against each other. So (laughs) one of the things that resonates a lot with me about what you just said is um, that's why she's a nurse. Um, She's always been me last. And I think, um, I think we're being kind of confronted with that right now in healthcare is that uh, I think you're exactly right. The nursing, well, the healthcare profession in general tends to attract um, a certain type of person. And I have to admit, I one of the things that concerns me about how we're going to heal moving forward is that that is a mindset and a culture shift of an entire industry that we are going to have to really flip upside down because we're, we have to we have to heal and we're going to have to change how healthcare is pretty rapidly. Um, but you're the resistance is an entire industry of people who have lived their entire life not wanting to selves first. Um, But, but, but we need it. We need people to be, you know, healed and uh, staying in healthcare and not leaving or uh, I think worse being burnt out and staying is, is even worse um, for our patients. And so um, I, I agree completely with what you said. And I, I think it's one of our biggest challenges in healthcare right now. So, so interesting to hear it come from, from your perspective as a daughter, a nurse. Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. I feel like that's a kind of a universal thing for a lot of people just um, that have that mindset of, um, I just, I want to help everybody. It's like, you kind of get lost up and caught up in helping everybody and forget that, uh, like I said, you can't be it's impossible to help somebody if you're broken yourself. So um, trying to pick up those pieces before you like, uh, like, you know, even on the plane when they're like, hey, put your mask on before you help someone else's mask. It's like a very important to um, make sure that you're, you're, you're breathing before you check and make sure that other people are breathing. Cause eventually you're going to die out and then you're no help to nobody. So part of what gives us, you know, that healing, caring touch. And it's, it's part of what I think is holding us back. So you for sharing. I'm just curious also, since you've been a consumer of healthcare, 
what are your just overall impressions and do you have any ideas either? What do you think it's going to take to put us on the right path in healthcare? I know. I, I, I don't know, to be honest. I think that like my only thing would be again, when I, once I, what I said previously is just um, figuring out a way to force healthcare workers to help themselves the problem with that I think that is when you force someone to help themselves there turns into a resentment towards that and a kind of a go through the motions like for example okay we're forcing all healthcare workers to do 10 sessions of therapy okay well now all the people that don't want to be there are going to sit there and give a bunch of BS to the mm. get their 10 sessions signed off on and go about their life and not get anything out of it. So it's got to be something I think that's self-initiated, which is, I think, like I said, the million dollar question is how do you um, get healthcare workers to care about themselves as much as they care about their patients and also to when it's time i think that um big, the big um issue too is just as healthcare workers as as teachers as a lot of different profession, professions it's difficult to do something for 20 30 40 years um and to i think as much as knowing when you are unable to help somebody because you need to help yourself it's also important to know um when you're no longer in love with what you do. And I think that for, I was talking to my, my actual, my, I was actually talking to my therapist about this the other day. Is, um, I think like in our, in our generation, especially it's kind of, um, I'm trying to find the right word. It's kind of, it's built into us and in our, into our mindsets that we are to pursue a career that we love doing and that we are in love with doing. And I think that mm. that's, very difficult and puts a lot of pressure I think on um us and me me especially too it's like because I'm like I don't I don't anything that I am in love with doing and work like work is I think for me work is work like I I would love to be in an environment where I don't hate going to work every day but I don't know if there's for me that I'm gonna be like yes like I'm so excited to get out of the bed today and do this every single day like I think that's an unreal expectation and so I think with nursing, though, that's so difficult. Like all of that that I just said kind of goes out the window, I think, a little bit because it's so dependent how much you are willing to be present and be willing to be there because it's not just you working an office job and going through the motions. It's you're dealing with people that are not only physically suffering and physically in a unideal place, but also mentally terrified and mentally unknowing of what what's going on. And I think for for nurses, it's it's a really and the healthcare in general, it's a really tough profession because of the amount of demand it takes to love your job and to be when the days that you don't love your job 
faking it until you make it um and that's something that you can only fake it till you make it a, a, a few cup a few hundred times i think and then it's just like okay i'm not i'm i'm tired of faking it anymore it's got to have some um realness to it and so i think that that's 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 the tough part is i think that for so many other people and so many other careers you are able to find something that you don't necessarily love but is going to pay the bills and I think that mindset is not necessarily something you can go into um, in a job like nursing where your your emotions and your yourself is affecting so many people every single time you step into the um, hospital, whether that like be your patients, which most of the time it does affect, but also like your coworkers and your coworkers' attitudes and how they approach their patients. Um, so I think I think it's I think it's really difficult just um to be in that this field of work because it's not like any other job where you can kind of go through the motions and um come to work with a bad attitude and just sit at your desk get your work done and clock out uh forced to those meaningful interactions every day and I think that um once you get to that point where you don't feel like you can have those meaningful interactions then it maybe might time might be time to take a desk job and be able to come into work and hate every minute of it, but get your work done and head out and not be affecting someone's life. And I think that also like for us, that's all to say that I really genuinely do not have the answer to it, but <laughs> I think. That's a beautiful answer. I think I you think did just come up with wrong. the answer. There's a lot so. wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, that was brilliant. I, I think I, Thanks for bringing it back. I'm impressed with how you did that. I I was so caught up in in all of you what you were saying. I, I forgot my original question, but I think this is sort of not sort of. This is exactly why I wanted to start this podcast and start having these conversations because uh, thing that you've been saying about the different mindset and uh, be have these meaningful interactions and not just going through the motions, you know, I'm having these conversations with my coworkers. And so to hear it from your perspective, it's just, it's, it's so validating and it gives me one more question. And then of course, if you have anything else, please, please add it. But if you, you know, a lot of parents, myself included, uh, I'm spent away from work and, and you totally summarized it really well. One of the things about being a healthcare worker and in, you give a lot of yourself at work. And sometimes there's not a lot to give when you get home um, after an entire year of travel nursing or after a 12 hour shift, you know, just have that, you know, parent guilt about not being able to give it all at work and then have things, um, have anything left in their tank for when they get home. Um, either some advice or some you know, I any think, sense at all? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that um, me personally, um, I think I think I'm I, I'm okay. I'm okay as far as um, actual year or so that you guys were um, in COVID and saving lives and being superheroes. Um, that was a beast in itself. I think that that's something that was definitely like hard for us kids um to kind of see our parents not see our parents one and then when we do see our parents to see them kind of just drained and not not really there um that was definitely tough but I think 
that was a year and we're two years out. And so I guess like my, for the, for children of the, um, um, in the medical field is kind of just patience, take years to, um, recover from single event traumas. Um, and so it's definitely not something that's going to be able to, um, be healed overnight or in a year or who knows in five years. But I think that, um, would just be to, um, love on them as much as you can and that understanding as much as possible. And that's, and that, um, the thought in your head that is just like your, your, as much trauma as you went through your parents, um, were at the, in the front battlefields of it and, um, stuff that we probably couldn't stomach seeing, um, I'm to recover my, I guess, naive advice for the parents, um, is obviously, like, like I said, very naive, but just, uh, worrying so much about us and worry about yourself so you can be better for us. Um, that's kind of where it gets a little bit tripped up on is there's just trying to make up for time right now and trying to mm. be, um, immediately better for them and like okay like I'm here and now COVID's kind of over and now I can be here and now I'm going to throw myself into my kid's life as much as possible um and I think that that's kind of overwhelming for us I think that that's um like I understand where it comes from I understand like make up lost time but I think that like I said it's overwhelming for us and I think that a better to it is more so um self and getting yourself back to who you were before the pandemic and then um, I think that, that that relationship and that um, lost time will come back a lot smoother and a lot easier than it would um, to make up for lost time by indulging um, to your children and trying to make up for all that lost time by spending bunches of time with us. Because at the end of the day, like you're still our parents and like we don't want to spend a second with you like we <laughs> y'all so much but the uh, making up for lost time and being hours with you guys is not something that we want <laughs> um so just <laughs> able to kind of have that balance of like okay like I'm here now and when I'm with you for the two hours a day I'm gonna be really present with you um and then for the other 22 hours a day I'm going to really work on um my feelings and um back to that um to sit with the trauma and be able to acknowledge the trauma and being able to have the trauma as a part of who I am but not let it um seat in my life and not let it be the auto that uh walks with me everywhere I go so yes that would be my advice for everybody I guess like I said very naive and a lot easier said than done but just kind of a different I guess, perspective, I think, to look at it, um, new, a different lens to look through. So I don't, that number one, I want to know if my teenager called you before this to ask you to say that, because I can hear him going like slow clap. Yes. Thank you. I don't, <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't mean to make light of a really important thing that you just said. Um, a little bit, Adriana, but both your advice to the children, God, that's so powerful. Um, you know, to be patient with, with us, but your advice to, to us, to um, ourselves and 
make up for lost time and uh, active, we you, we really do need to focus on ourselves and 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 it's going to repair right that that lost time we're not going to get it back but that's we can make right now really great. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is like mic drop and the podcast right now. <laughs> um, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you're like, oh man, I wanted to talk about that or anything else you wanted to say before I... No, I think so I think that, yeah, I think that, I don't know, it's it's definitely a heavy topic and um, like I said, something that is, is going to take a lot of a lot of time healing and a lot of time rebuilding, not only for you guys, but just for like the country and the, the world. Like it's something that we haven't experienced in like a hundred years. So like pretty much nobody here has ever experienced the pandemic. So it's like um, something that I think we all got to allow ourselves to, to feel and allow ourselves to work through um, without kind of trying to just, like I said, make up for lost time. I think a lot of people, whether it's in the healthcare and trying to make up past relationships that we might've lost on or feel like we're behind in, um, to just like being a, a regular person and like trying to learn how to be a part of society again. Um, idea of making up for lost time is a very, um, loses the, the time, um, time you're in. I think that, um, make up, uh, in a way it's like okay like we like that that year like I said like the years the years gone it was what it was it was horrible it was traumatic it was tough for everybody but um we're gonna be able to go back and make up that year like and so I think like in the years pandemic more of just like how I think like the strongest people are the people that are able to take their traumas and make it um stronger and make them more resilient and I think that if our society and if we as individuals can um, the pandemic and use the horrors that we saw to um, appreciate life and further appreciate the little things in life, like being able to go to the grocery store and being able to see the new people and just being able to people watch in general and being able to give your family a hug and being able to give your grandparents a hug. Um, it's something that I don't think that we, any of us, cherished before the pandemic so I think that um trying to um do things and be in like try to try to make up for everything that we lost um more so cherish the the things that we had prior to pandemics and the things that we still are able to get back post pandemic um because those are I think are the little things in life that um Yes, and bring us a smile without without knowing it. And I think that once you lose it, then you really have more patience um, towards it. And I think instead of kind of having the mentality of that year sucked, I I hate like I hate that we had that year. It, it ruined me as a human being. It's like okay, like it it did it did it ruin me or did it did it change me? And I think the change is not always a bad thing. Um, I think that bad things can force change, but I don't think that that change is always. Um, that's that's negative and so I think that um forward obviously this is all easy way easier said than done um but embracing the little joys in life rather than you know trying to play catch up and get everything everything in um that we missed out on in that year um and taking a little step back and taking time to take a deep breath and just 
enjoying not being in the traumatic era that we were in. Um, easier said than done, but that's that's kind of my hope for for me and my family and for society as a whole. Um, to use this as uh, something that's going to make us all more resilient and make us all bonded in a way. Like we all we all went through it together. We all um, experienced in different ways, but we all were experiencing more or less the same thing. And so not only does it, can it make us stronger, but also make us um, like towards um, and around us, just knowing that um, there's something terrible and a person that, you know, cuts you off on the road, like it's having a horrible day at work or some, something, something along those lines. And um, to um, knowing that life is not always easy for everybody and life was, life was really hard for everybody at a certain time. So that was that was my long tangent and no I didn't answer any questions but that was just me <laughs> talking for a while so I'm sorry <laughs> no oh my gosh that was perfect and we've like what you need to hear comes to you sometimes whether you're ready or not and I think for me personally I feel this like overwhelming sense of urgency to make like everything better right now and this is just this is what I needed to hear right now and that we're, we're not going to fix it overnight and I'm not going to fix myself overnight. I'm not going to fix the, my, you know, anything overnight. Um, and I'm certainly not going to do it alone, but um, we need to, you know, not stop trying to make up for lost time and stop trying to fix things so quickly. And um, so thank you. Thank you so much for this time and for sharing. And okay. So you're not a college and you probably are now and remind me um Abriana, who we need to be rooting for in the fall because you I, you said that you were uh uh transferring but I don't I don't remember exactly and I want to know which um, we're going to all be rooting for uh next season yeah so I'm going to South Alabama so the South Alabama Jaguar would be the ideal team to root for um, in the <laughs> season and we are yeah we're in the Sun Belt conference uh so yeah hopefully I think we, we won um in 2021 so hopefully with um we got a lot of returners coming back this um next year so hopefully we can get that uh championship and then make our way to the NCAA tournament which would be a dream come true so yeah I would you know, love all the 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 support from all the listeners for the Jags. So yeah, <laughs> go Jaguars! Go I, Jags! Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thanks again. And at the risk of being super super cheesy, um, the hearing just this conversation today and knowing that um, uh, people and adults and empathetic humans like you are uh, are the next kind of up in the workforce um, is giving me so much hope. And so thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're putting out in the world. And um, thank you so much for this time. And I will talk to you very soon, I hope. Awesome. Awesome. It was a good pleasure. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. It was really interesting to me, the parallels between the two daughters of nurses who are very obviously at very different stages of their life. 
but there was similar enough experiences in there and some parallels in the lessons that they were sharing. I hope you were as inspired as I was to be patient and present in the moment. For me, the biggest takeaway from both of the Daughters of Nurses was to take care of ourselves so that we can show up for them. If you have something that you would like to talk about, I would love to hear from you. Please reach out via email at gettheconversationstarted at gmail.com or on Instagram at amcdougal84. As always, I appreciate you and thank you so much for keeping the conversation going.